abundance. We all want more of it. Health, relationships, career, prosperity. To be human is to strive for more. There's ample advice on how to create abundance. We need to have positive thoughts and believe in ourselves. But what happens if positive thinking doesn't come naturally? Are we doomed? I'm Jill McCabe, author, entrepreneur, negative thinker turned optimist, and your host on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. For years, I struggled to believe in myself. And for years, I fell short of my goals and aspirations. Until I learned a nifty bit of neuroscience that taught me how we can all rewire our brains to have more positive thoughts, self-belief, and abundance. That's what I created Thinking Vitamins for. Thinking Vitamins are sticky ideas, mantras, and perspective shifts that retrain your brain to expect good things to happen to you. So I ask you, are you ready to boost your abundance? Let's dive in. Listeners, have you ever wondered if you have a receiving limit problem with money? And by that I mean, have you ever tried to get past a certain amount of money in your life? Earn more money, get a job where you're making more money. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to grow your sales, but it feels like there's this invisible glass ceiling that just won't let you get up to that next level. And maybe you get up to that next level of money and then boom, as soon as you're up there, something brings you right back down. Listen, listeners, if that's something that's happening to you, I want you to understand something. That is something that I don't know if I could say all people are dealing with that, but a lot of people are dealing with something called money receiving limits. And in fact, it's something that people who work in the money kind of areas that they know about. It's actually a thing. I didn't know it was a thing until I saw someone teaching on it. And last week in Thinking Vitamins, we talked about improving your relationship with money, but I wanted to take that conversation even further because I thought that I could share with you, um, well, or my guest could share with you some more ideas about how you can have breakthroughs for your receiving limit. So this week for Thinking Vitamins, I invited Pam Pryor. She's the author of uh, Your First CFO. She is an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, podcast host, financial executive, a CPA, a speaker, a virtual CFO, financial coach. Pam is also someone I have personally hired to help me. She works with entrepreneurs and comes in and she's a fractional CFO, which means if you can't have a full-time CFO, you hire someone like Pam to help you take care of that part of your business. She is also someone who uh, is coming in and doing some training for a new mastermind that I'm launching at Boom U that helps bring up new entrepreneurs. And Pam has a very powerful way of working with people because she's not just a CFO. She understands that in order to make more money, you actually have to break through your current receiving limit with money. So without further ado, let's get Pam on here and start talking to 
her about this very important topic. Thank you so much, Pam, for agreeing to come and share your wisdom with the Thinking of Vitamins podcast audience. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be here and was so excited when you invited me, Jill. It's great to talk to you. I um, I can hardly wait because I know that the cool thing with receiving limits is I've raised mine a couple of times now um, and I still need to raise it. I currently feel stuck. I currently feel like, oh, I got to this new level and now I'm stuck again. So I've actually realized this is a, this is a hot topic for me, listeners. So we're learning together here. Pam, how did you, what, yeah, tell me your story a little bit. How did you come to learn that, you know, you're so technical, like you're a CPA and you worked in corporate and you do like you're a CFO and you're all these fancy titles. And yet you're talking about, is it woo-woo, like receiving limits? Like that feels so not, you know, tell me more about that. Not tethered. I, yeah, I've been called the grounded woo-woo before for that very reason. So, you know, yeah, my, my, History is in corporate as an accountant up to a CFO. I left corporate to start working with individuals and entrepreneurs about six years ago and have been working exclusively that way ever since. And when I first started out, Jill, I thought this is just bringing the technical stuff to entrepreneurs and even individuals in a new way. It's capturing the momentum of the individual like I used to do in corporate and just presenting information to them in a way that they understood and could utilize. And we've done that. And that really what dif- what's differentiates us. And that's what's made sort of the soul of the company. But I also started about seven years ago doing my own work on myself. And I wrote a book with Angela Loria. And as a result, got introduced to a lot of things I had never been exposed to before around um, universal consciousness and its relationship to me, for, for, to God and to me and how I think about God. And I've been spending a ton of work on that stuff. And as a result, I realized that I had things, I'm an accountant CFO, you know, I know everything, right? No, I had things that were limiting my income receiving ability and that every single person I worked with, and this is with no exception, Jill, you said almost everybody, everybody I've been working with has had them. And I found myself working with them on it and then also found myself getting more and more coaching around this topic from really smart people. And one day I woke up and realized what might be limiting me. And it was with the help, with the help of actually another Canadian um, who asked me some questions that dug out a very embarrassing story. And I realized that that very embarrassing story, what we know about limiting beliefs around money is that we have sort of a thermostat right? Where we've set this definition of enough. And every time we get up close to that definition of enough, we either retreat from it or stall there, one or the other. Every now and then we might peek over the top, but then we retreat right back down. Like you might make a little bit extra money this month, but it's gone before you can do anything with it because the heater breaks or whatever it might be. So I knew that I had learned that. So I had kind of taken one approach was, oh, well, that's easy. I'll just redefine enough from level A to level B. So I'll still have enough, but my enough will mean something different than it meant yesterday. So enough to me meant what I was brought up with as a child, which was 
you pay your bills, you eat your food, you never borrow money, which I certainly blew a million times as, as an entrepreneur myself. But there were all these things that you can have that I learned all the same things a lot of people do in middle class, uh, in the middle class, which is, you know, money is evil. You got to work hard for it. All of those things. So they were embedded. So I had this threshold. And so I said, well, hmm, let me just redefine enough, knowing that that's a lot of my uh, genetic stuff I'm hauling forward. What do I really think enough is? And that included some happiness and some freedom and uh, the ability to do things for my kid that I couldn't do and for my wife and I to do things. So I just kind of raised that definition of enough and that worked a little bit. So I still had enough, but I still banged up against that ceiling. Can we pause here though? I mean, I know we've got this to get to, but I, I put money on the fact that what you have just said like listeners, I'm asking you, is that like, do you need a minute with that idea? Because I know the first time I was exposed to this thermostat and raising, like, I know that Pam, you see, you see, Pam is so like advanced here that she's take this information for her. She's like, yeah, yeah, I, I got the thermostat and then I raised my thermostat and now this other big thing happened. I cannot wait to hear that big thing. I can hardly wait to hear it. But I actually want to kind of step back a little bit because I remember the first time I heard Pam about a thermostat and a receiving limit and raising my receiving limit and raising my idea of what was enough. And I was gobsmacked and I did the same thing. I raised my idea of what was enough and that actually I started making more, but there's some rules around that about how you do that. So can you just just dive into that a little bit more for the listeners. So the thing to understand is that what is acting as your definition of enough, what's driving that thermostat is firmly in your subconscious and you don't consciously have awareness of it or the ability to control it. If you don't, if you're not aware of it. So you're kind of in this catch 22. And the thing about what's in your subconscious that's controlling that. And I learned this from, an awesome teacher who took it from a generation of teachers by the name of David Nagel is that you, you between the ages of zero and seven have no ability to consciously filter what's getting dumped into your subconscious. So the people who are keeping you safe and feeding you are also there and you're learning things from them. Most of them really good. They keep you safe. They keep you alive, but you're also learning all of their history. Like my dad, for example, grew up in the depression. My grandparents used to save butter wrappers so that they can put them in water and soak the water off. Um, you know, money's the root of all evil when, uh, the whole Nixon thing happened. Um, so on and so forth. So I had this, all this stuff in there that I didn't know was in there that said, and you, you tithe and you do, um, you know, money looks greedy. If you get more money, you're just being greedy. If you save money, you're being greedy. Let's watch, um, uh, the, towards the night, what, what was the, the Scrooge thing, you know, the Scrooge story. And oh my God, I don't want to be him. I read this book called heart of darkness, which was all about the fact that if you ever get power, the only thing you can be is corrupt. So all that was in my head and I didn't even know it. Right. So that was driving my definition of enough. Enough was just enough to serve myself, serve my family, serve my community, serve my church, serve my friends. That's it. And anything else, just you can't, you, you, you don't need it. You can't have it. 
So when I first learned this and realized it, I said, okay, so there's a bunch of pre-programming in here on what is enough. I'm going to now just start acting. The only way to override your subconscious, other than that way, when you're one to seven and have to absorb it without filtering it, is repetition. Tell yourself things, tell yourself things. So I literally spent every single day as part of my mantra, my new enough is, or my enough is, blah. And this is not... I just tried this because it sounded like fun. I had no idea if this was going to work, but I had learned that this enough thing was an issue for me. So now let me redefine enough. And I started saying things like enough means I get to go on three really cool vacations with my family. Enough means when I look at my bank account, there's this much in it, not zero. It never occurred to me. It didn't have to be zero until I actually, (laughs) it means this instead. Um, so it's take it's recognizing that there are things you may not even be aware of. Sit down with a piece of paper and write down all the things that were drilled into you that you just take for granted now from your parents. For my mom, it was like never put anything out with a grammatical error in it. Well, truth of the matter is in a marketing world, that's not always the right answer, right? Because it can sound stiff and formal and really yucky. Um, yeah. So all those things, I, I examined all of them. And then once I had examined all of them, I just said, okay, my definition of enough is this and these other things. So this is gold. I, I, I'm going to pause like, this is gold. <sighs> and I want, because the whole idea of thinking vitamins is that they're mantras, sticky ideas, um, things that we repeat oh, cool. over and over. And so Pam, I mean, I know we haven't even scratched the surface of what you're here to share with the listeners and Here we already are at this powerful, my new definition of enough is, but Mm -hmm. what, you know, from the work I do to help people uh, break through their blocks on business success, Mm -hmm. I also know that what you're, you're, you're taking this to another level by saying, so I'm really actually impressed because I learned this from the same teacher and yet some of how you're describing this to me is more clear because what we all put our different twists on it, right? Yeah. And your 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 take on it is really good because my definition of enough is three, you know, holidays with my family or my definition of enough is, right? And so it's mm-hmm. to actually connect it to what you'd be doing with it and why that is enough. And three, you know, holidays a year does not seem unreasonable. Um so if we get to this whole So I just want listeners, I think creating this new I think we got a really solid thinking vitamin from Pam here. My Uh new definition of enough is, but you heard what she said. I really want to highlight. She really wrote it down. Like she really did the work to figure out all of these past um, things. She sat down and really thought about the money ideas that she had growing up. And then she created her new definition of enough, which was not zero in her bank account Mm -hmm. anymore. Right. Just zero every month. Right. A little hack here for you, because I didn't realize this till I actually did it. And I I remembered this from back in corporate. But when you sit down to make that list, you're going to hit, you're going to put, I don't know, 10 things down and you're going to pause and think you're done. Sit there with your pen in in your hand and the paper in front of you, because you're going to think you're done. Wait, wait, wait until the next one thing comes out and it's going to feel awkward and hard. And then the next one thing you're like, I know I'm really tapped. There's nothing here. But if you wait through that, and it can be as long as five or 10 minutes that you have to wait, and then you'll put one thing down, and then you'll put another thing down, and then the the rock's going to roll down the hill. What I found out was that the real answers 
were beyond that threshold. Everything up until that threshold I really was aware of. Once I got and pushed myself to sit with that piece of paper, and I really struggled through like five of them. I'm like, this is bullshit. This is nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. What's an example? they started coming. And that's when I hit the realization that's the embarrassing story. But Okay, so let's um, go to that part of the story because I think, I think listeners, you've got something really solid as your first part. Let's keep going. Yeah. And don't stop when you think you're done wait and push yourself through that. That's where you'll get the real answer. So find the more wait. Don't stop when you think you're done all of the expenses, right? Yeah. All no all of the all of the um excuses, all of the limiting beliefs you have about money. So for example, like I wrote down the money is the root of all evil. I heard that. I wrote down that uh you should tithe. I wrote down, you know, everything that like were the mantras that my parents spoke. But then I and, and society spoke. But then I hit a wall and instead of stopping and saying, I've got them all, I waited almost 15 minutes and I started trying to put other things down and a little one would come and I'd be like, that's not real. And then another little one would come and that's not real. But then after a couple minutes, more of them started to come. And that's where I discovered this one that I'm going to tell you about was hiding plus 30 other ones. Like Incredible. it just, it was just like you, you, you think you're at the wall, but really what you're at is the first entrance. Then you have to go through this narrow hall where there's nothing. And then there's another door and it opens up into the universe. It's amazing. If you push through that first block, you're going to get, this is so amazing. That's a huge piece of tactical advice there. I, this is so tying into the book I'm currently writing, but I, now I really just badly need to hear. Okay. So, <laughs> Somebody, I've been working with somebody who was actually working on chakras with me. And one of the things that we'd gotten to was that as a kid, I had stolen money. Now I'm a CFO. I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I'm an adult. I have a kid. I realized that I was utterly ashamed of that story to the point where I never told anybody with the exception of my wife. I told her. So I was between like six and nine years old, probably. And I stole money. So I, wallets were out, I'd go grab it. If, you know, a piggy bank was on the table, I'd go shake some money out of it. You know, it was, it was mine to have because I didn't have enough for the candy I needed. So of course I had to steal to get it. It was my logic as a six to nine year old. And then I got accused of stealing something, money from a, my parents' friend's wallet that I did not do. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, I've been misjudged. I didn't do this. How could you think I did it? Well, it turned me away from my life of crime because I realized that having been a criminal, people assumed I was a criminal when anything happened. So I tucked that all away, right? That was bad. It was done. I got over it. But here's what hit me that day when I, when this came to the surface, I figured out about how much money I had stolen in that period of time from people. And it was all a dollar here. It was actually in Germany. So it was a Deutschmark here, a Deutschmark there. You know, I'd steal people's Coke bottles and take them back to the station to get the, the five Fennig you'd get for doing that. When I came home, I'd steal from my cousin's piggy bank. So I added up, I said, well, if I stole about this much every year and it comes out to X amount. And then I said, I wonder, and I went and looked at the S&P 500 from 1973 when I stopped stealing to when that was, which I don't know, was around 2018. 
And I said, if I had put that much money in the S&P 500 in 1973 for these people, here is what I'd owe them today. That was the exact amount of money I was making in my corporate job at that time. Well, that wasn't 2018, so it had to be 2015. The exact amount that I kept ramming up against, no matter what. And if you looked at my career all the way back because of how the stock, the S&P 500 raises, I could follow my income level from the S&P 500 going back at least 25 years. Now there were a couple of blips and you know me, I'm a data geek, but here's the thing that limit was there. So here's what I did. I was petrified this. I was working with my chakra person and she said, send out a Facebook post that you stole money as a kid. And I went, <gasps> I have clients. I'm doing marketing. Nobody knows this. Who's going to trust me? All, all the things. My head just basically exploded. And I said, she said, let's type it together. So I typed the Facebook post. If you go back on my feed, you can still find it. I forget what year it was, to be honest with you. But if you go back on my feed, you can find it. And my personal feed. And I posted it. And first of all, tons of people, you know, liked and loved and all this stuff. Plenty of people said, oh, my God, everybody did that as a kid. Who didn't? And I was like, wow, really? Other people, and my sister said, I'll take my money now then, please. <laughs> Which was funny because she figured she was probably one of the prime victims, and she was. Um, so getting that out and releasing it and realizing it's a complete non-event. Jill, I had convinced myself that if that piece of my history got out, I would never work again. Oh, wow. And the minute I released that email, I, f I was a different person. I felt a different person. And it hit me how totally unaware I was of just how much junk that was holding down for me. And that blew the, it didn't blow the ceiling off. I've hit my next one now. I haven't figured out what that is, but it blew the ceiling off that limit. I mean, just like within, within months. It was gone. It was, it was just, and I'm living and breathing. I tell this story now, it, it like, because I want people to understand number one, there's nothing to be ashamed of about our finances. Absolutely. Everybody has, I'm so embarrassed because fill in the blank, whether I'm in a room of 20 people or 2000 people, everybody fills in that blank, whether they're billionaires or they're just scraping by. So first of all, don't be ashamed of your money stories. Don't be ashamed. Everything we've done, everything we've learned as part of making us who we are today. And that's a value in what we're offering people, both in personal relationships and business relationships. That's part of you. That's what makes you so rich. But second of all, break through that little tunnel where you don't get a lot of information. Because I'll tell you what, if I had not done that, I wouldn't have found that story. And it was just... It, it made all the difference in the world. Wow, Pam. First of all, you're reminding me of how we met, which I had actually forgotten, um, which was really cool and why I approached you. So Pam was speaking at an Archangel VIP day in, it's a, it's a conference that happens in Toronto and there's like VIP events that sort of happened the day before and Pam was talking about money. And I remember her, first of all, she had the best joke of the entire day. 
Um, she had the best. I can't remember the joke, but I remember we were all laughing. So, you know, you got to love the person who comes out with humor. And then mm-hmm. the second thing, I think you asked something like, you know, obviously correct me because it's like a hazy, it was years ago now, but you had, you said something like, uh, who here has done something really stupid? <laughs> who and, you know, embarrassed about something they've done with money? Who's embarrassed about something? And we all put up our hand. And then I think you say, turn to the right, turn to the left. One of those two people has done something stupider. <laughs> yeah. 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 Done something that they think is worse than yours. And so, so true. we're in the audience, right? So Pam's on stage and I'm in the audience and I put, I've done something stupid with money. It's like, if I could at that point have put both my hands up and legs up, you know, I think it would have been more honest. <laughs> I think it would All of us. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I look to the right and I look to the left and, you know, you'd think, it's interesting because you might, you know, those of you listening now might think that putting your hand up and admitting something embarrassing, a waste of money that you've done, um, you might think that's so shameful. But mm-hmm. what actually happened when Pam did that, and this is one of the reasons I, I approached her afterwards and just knew, I just knew that I needed to have her in my life because of how her approach to money is that we looked at each other and we laughed and it actually built friendships immediately in our row. And so rather than being, and I'll, I'll tell you a story, something shameful I did with money. I had, I was building my business and I, you know, at one point I got really desperate and, um, and it, it was a perfectly fine training, but Brendan Bruchard had a training and it was like $10,000 and it was one day. And back then nobody was doing $10,000 one day trainings. Now it's like totally normal, but back then it was not. And mm-hmm. only 50 people and he was going to teach you the future of how to sell. And I thought, I have to do this. Now I did not have that money. So mm-hmm. I had to use credit cards and I, you know, I can't remember if I got loans from people, mm-hmm. but I just went all in. I'm Canadian. So it cost me more to do yeah. that in the U S than it would have cost an American. Then of course there's the travel expenses, hotel, blah, blah. So it was a very expensive single day. Okay. I went and, and I, I mean, my book, it's go time. I literally write the right work at the right time is really important part of being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. because, you know, that was a perfectly amazing training for those people who are ready for it. But guess what? Mm -hmm. It didn't work unless you already had a list. And so I, I had done something really stupid was I learned a tactic for sales that only worked if you already had an audience. And if you didn't already have an audience, it didn't work. And I blew all this money. I absolutely didn't have, I was devastated by that. And, and that wasn't because it was a great training. And I realize now had I had an audience, I totally could have leveraged that training, Mm -hmm. but there's so many of us. And if you've ever done something like that, signed up for a sale training and then realized I don't have a product. (laughs) My group, my team laughs at me all the time because I still fall for it and it's good stuff. Now the problem isn't so much like that. I don't have a list, so I can't leverage. It's like, I've got to be at that. It's the FOMO. We all get the FOMO, right? I've got to be at this and I've got to be at this and I've got to be at this. And it's something that all of us do. And the, the point I really want to make about this is it's not something to be ashamed of because number one, you learn something about that. So the next time you paid for a full day's training, you need to check and say, what are the prerequisites? Right? So that's really cool. And, and, I, and I hate the term falling forward, but 
there is the term failing forward, falling forward, whatever you want to call it. I absolutely take every single one of what I would consider an embarrassing money story and make it a lesson learned. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I was just reading uh, the Marie Kondo, the life-changing magic of tidying up. And I love what she says because she even says, you know, you're choosing what keeps joy and you pick up an item and you go, does this bring me joy? But then if it doesn't bring you joy, you say, thank you. Even if it's a shirt you've never worn before, you say, thank you for teaching me what I shouldn't buy again. So there, you know, thank like you that. for this lesson. And yeah, it was really nice. Or like you that. only wore it once. Thank you for showing me what's not my style. Or thank yeah. you for I showing me that. I love that. It's a great idea because that weaves gratitude in, which is so important to all of this is the other thing we will do as humans is recognize that we're at this particular point of enough. And 15 years ago or five years ago, we might've thought we'd never get here. And we don't celebrate that, right? We just go, oh, I'm still in enough, you know? And and it's, uh, every, I mean, we all have to kind of shake ourselves loose from that a little bit too. Yeah. I Pam, this has been absolutely incredible. I think First of all, really looking at that receiving, you know, thermometer, but your, your, your little hack there in terms of sitting there and really finding those stories, mm -hmm. I think is really powerful because I'm currently, uh, I'm writing a book right now on uh, actually generational trauma and how some- ah, and I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. And some of the stories are not you stealing money, but actually how you related to stories from your parents. Mm -hmm. We can get into that later because I'm actually, I'm doing um, a pre-reading group for that, for that one. And awesome. we've been finding some limits actually are coming from another generation, not even. Oh, absolutely. The first seven years fill up is all from a prior generation and that yeah. includes their prior generation. And, um, the other thing I was going to say is a place to go to find where some of these hidden stories might be is become aware of your triggers. What gets you upset? And I learned that what got me upset is when my intentions, one of the things I put, whenever my intentions were doubted, I like went off the grid and got angry. Like I would fire clients. I would, you know, block people off, compartmentalize. I was always reactive. So I went through a list of what are your biggest triggers? And that one was a big trigger. And that led me to why was I so sensitive about that? It was because I got accused of stealing what I didn't steal. And, oh, yeah, I had stolen and, and, and. So I it start with your triggers. What gets you what gets you so uncontrollably mad or upset or sad that you can't step back and go, wait a minute, what's happening here? Yeah, Think about the next time the next so the next time you go off on somebody or get mad at yourself or whatever, use that as a, a tool to dig in. Oh, amazing advice. So Pam, I know we're coming. I, I don't know what your schedule's like, and I'm. this has just been such gold. We've got breakthrough your money receiving limits. Maybe um, just like cap, wrap this up for our listeners so that they really have, you know, so that you, listeners are pen in hand by the time they stop listening to this. That's my goal for you. Oh, awesome. I think the overarching thing is to realize that your subconscious drives your behavior. Whether you like it or not, it does. How that subconscious has been filled up has often been done without our awareness. So we want to pay attention and rewire it to be what we want it to be for us, not filled with what other people have put in there for us. So one of the ways to do that is to sit down with a pen and paper. I, like I said, I started with my trigger points. What upset, once I, once I listed all the stories I had about money, 
that I'd learned from other people that I just wrote down. Then I looked at my trigger points. What upsets me? What gets me angry? What makes me so mad? I literally see red. And that pointed me to some of the things that had been kind of buried or that I had been burying because I was embarrassed by them. And I was so embarrassed by them and so used to not sharing them that it never occurred to me it could be fine. <laughs> um, so make that list push through the sort of dead zone there where you're going to think there isn't anything else because there is push through to that next door and then really push on your trigger points. And the whole idea, this is for you. You don't have to share this with anybody. You don't have to do what I did and go tell the story. That just happened to be what I needed to do to free my limit. But you're going to, it's amazing what you see about how your brain works. Um, and, it, and it's worth the time. And anybody can do this. You don't have to have a degree to do this. You don't have to have graduated high school to do this. This is an exercise any one of us, Jill, can do at any time. This is, um, thank you so much, Pam, for sharing this. I have personally raised my receiving limit more than once. Um, wow. And as you've heard Pam and I speak, You've just heard her say she's ready to raise hers again. I'm ready to raise mine again. This requires that we go back. So this isn't a one and done. You'll do right. it. You might, you know, you might start making a thousand dollars more a month and go, wow. And then you might do it again and you might make two thousand dollars more a month. So understand that every time we raise it, we get to raise it again. But start mm -hmm. with where you are. You know, mm -hmm. start with, you know, don't necessarily try to raise it all the way. Mm -hmm. Raise it to what your new enough is. I think that that's yeah. what's your new enough. And then if your new enough grows, then you can raise it again. But I, I definitely um, love the staircase approach to this that because I've seen it work. Pam, um, so those of you who are entrepreneurs or thinking of becoming an entrepreneur or, uh, you know, an entrepreneur who needs to manage their finances more effectively. I think you might want to know more about where to find Pam uh, because she has a ton of, 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 you can work with her and there's also a ton of value that she provides online. Pam, where can people find out more about you? You can find me with Pam S. Pryor on any social media platform, with the exception of TikTok, where I'm just Pam Pryor. That's the best way. Is that'll point you to whatever you're interested in. So Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter. I'm out there as Pam S. Pryor. So it looks like Pam's Pryor. <laughs> Amazing. And of course, we will have links to her platforms in the show notes. So you can go down and grab those links and follow her and just get more training on money. And uh, for those of you who uh, work with Boom U, you will see that Pam is going to be coming in as featured faculty on finance just to train on the very first steps that uh, new entrepreneurs need to take to get their finances in order so they can grow. Pam, thank you for coming and chatting on the Thinking Vitamins podcast today. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I love talking about this stuff. Me too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Thinking Vitamins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, follow, and come to thinkingvitamins.com where you can sign up to get our newsletter and additional free training. Thinking Vitamins with Jill McKay.